Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. It'll be up on the screens, New King James Version. Uh, Merry Christmas, amen. Merry Christmas to those that are watching. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. The Bible says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt, dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of his burden. And the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. Bear with me. You're probably going, where is he going with this? Holy cow. Verse 6. Familiar, more familiar. That's the context, though. You've got to know the context. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you uh, for what you are doing in the lives of your people. As we celebrate this Christmas, I pray, God, that we would be the most devoted, the most committed, the most focused that we've ever been that with everything that is taking place in the world, we would be aware that, Lord, you are coming back for a church very soon. And, Father, we understand that you sent Jesus Christ as a, a baby to be born in a manger, to uh, live his life amongst us. And, and there was a plan of salvation that you set forth, but it all started out with a child, a child that was born. A child with, with many names. We're going to talk about those names this morning. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that as we do, that, Lord, you would remind us of your goodness. You would remind us of your faithfulness. And uh, that you would help us to focus in on you. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. 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 There's a seat up here, maybe a couple. And uh, if you've got a seat empty near you, point to it. Hallelujah. So listen, names are an interesting phenomena. We have last names and first names, and many people even have middle names. I want to see this morning, actually, how many of you have a middle name? So the majority have a... How many of you do not have a middle name? The, the minority, all right? So in other cultures, they might even have a list of middle names for one person. I think of in Hispanic culture, I could go, you know, uh, Felix Hernandez, uh, Alexander, Joseph, Julio, Juan, Victor, uh, uh, Esteban, and then a the last name thrown in there. In some places around the world, people are properly addressed by their first names and then their last names. 
While in other parts of the world, you might begin a formal address with the person's last name and then the first name. Listen, it's not wrong. It's just different, right? Oftentimes, our last names are, are, are somehow tied to our heritage. They reveal something special about our family tree. Like we know that an O'Connor probably, probably has some Irish in them. While a Takahishi is probably Japanese or Asian, right? Someone with a Smith as a last name reveals that somewhere in the individual's genealogy, a person worked with leather or silver or some other kind of wear. While a shoemaker obviously would point to someone who makes shoes, somewhere in the line there. And then we have our first names. Some of us, like myself, carry a name unique, uh, a unique name spelled very differently. Freddie, spelled F-R-E-D-I, one D, one I. Other names, others uh, name their, uh, name, 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 get named after a friend or perhaps a hero or a biblical uh, figure. And still others bear the name that is simply liked or agreed upon by the parents. People sometimes hold newborn babies and inquire about their given name. They might remark about what a good name it is or, or how fitting it is for them. Indeed, our names say a lot about us. And as we grow, sometimes our names become a great part of our identity. We're talking about names. Gordon McDonald, a pastor and an author, said, after giving a lecture one day, a Nigerian woman uh, who is also a, a physician at a great teaching hospital in the U.S. Uh, came out of the crowd to say something kind uh, about his lecture that he had just given, and she introduced herself using a common American name. But what's your, what's your African name, he said. She immediately gave it to, to me, uh, several syllables long, with what sounded like a, a musical sound to it. What does that name mean, I wondered. And so she answered, she, it means child who takes away anger. Child who takes away anger. And so when I inquired as to why she would have been given such a name, she said, my parents had been forbidden to marry their parents said, never, you will never get married. But they loved each other so much that they defied their family and got married anyway. Guess what happened? Listen, for several years, they were punished for their, for their decision by both of their families, and, and they were treated in a certain way. And, so, and then my mother became pregnant with me. She said, and when the grandparents held me in their arms for the first time, the walls of hostility came down. And so I became the one who swept anger away. And that's the name that my mother and father gave me. So very often when we call people by their names, we are saying something about the person being identified. This is precisely what the prophet Isaiah is doing in the text that we just read. He is identifying a special child that was yet to be born, who, who he also identified as a great king. But he doesn't stop, stop at king or lord. He actually lists many names that this child would be called like what? Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But for the meaning and importance of these names to be literally understood, Isaiah, he had to give some background and, and he had to remind his readers about the situation that they found themselves in. See, life isn't always easy. Anybody say amen to that? Life isn't always easy. 
It often seems that we face difficulties at every turn and the Israelites at the time, they were going through some challenges when these words were spoken. So when Isaiah delivered this prophecy to the people of Israel, they were exiled in Babylon like slaves. And even many years later, just before Jesus was born, the, the, the exile was over, but the Jewish people found themselves under an oppressive Roman rule. And therefore, as Isaiah says in verse 2, the people walked in darkness, and it was rightfully a dark time. In the best of ways, Israel held on to hope a hope that their God would one day act on their behalf, that a Savior from the line of David would come quickly and free them, that one day their Messiah would rule over them in peace and in justice. And this is exactly what the prophecy, the prophecy that Isaiah was making. A light will come into darkness, say darkness, and a new king will take the throne. So into that darkness, Isaiah speaks into the darkness of exile in Babylon, in the darkness of Roman occupation, into the darkness of modern turmoil today in 2022. The prophet Isaiah points to the shiny ray of light. For unto us is born, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called. Those are the hopeful words of Isaiah right there. Listen, it's not just that Isaiah speaks of the light that is yet to come. It's almost as if he holds a prism so that the, the path of light can go through it. And it tells us in greater detail exactly what that light or what those names are. And so that light and that special child yet to be born, what do we say? He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These names mean everything to the Jews in Babylon. They mean something special to us this morning as we get ready for Christmas. These names are carefully and divinely chosen. See, they tell us exactly how darkness will be dispelled. They show us the shape of God's future. They reveal to us the, that the best of times are yet to come. They impress upon us that uh, the wonderful things that God is doing. Is God doing anything wonderful this morning? And, and things that he will continue to do among his people. So yes, the, the light has been shined. The people saw it. You see, God's good news is always greater than the world's bad news. And so Jesus Christ is born in a manger. He is wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But why did Isaiah use these specific names to describe the coming of the Messiah? What exactly do these names mean to you this morning, this Christmas Eve, that's, that's what we're going to unpack for you to remind us who Christmas is all about. You see, there's a, a wonder in the name of Jesus. Our Lord, who is also Emmanuel or God with us, is wonderful. Say wonderful this morning. Wonderful. And his birth, it was wonderful. His birth was supernatural. His birth was amazing. See, it began with a young and humble servant named Mary who willingly submitted herself to, to the will of God. And although she was a virgin, we know that she conceived and gave birth to Jesus on that very first Christmas. 
And then at his birth, a, a multitude of heavenly hosts sang songs of praise and directed the shepherds to the manger where they would find that special baby. A baby whose birthplace was marked by a star seen in the sky. A star seen in distant lands far away and followed by wise men. If you think about it, everything about this event was wonderful. And as this baby who was born in a lowly manger became a man, his life was wonderful too. You can read about it. In fact, his teachings, his healings, his, his miracles, they were all wonderful too. Wonderful because we know this morning that he made the blind to see. Wonderful because he even made the lame to walk. Wonderful because he, he boldly ate with sinners and reached out to the outcast. Wonderful because he cast out demons and lovingly forgave the sins of those that were broken and those that felt hopeless. How many of you know this morning that he's still wonderful? He's still wonderful. We know that when he was crucified, he, his sacrifice was wonderful. And we know that the resurrection even more so is wonderful because in his death and resurrection, a pathway was made for you and I. Wonderful because our sins are now forgiven. Because, Jesus, because of Jesus, we were offered an eternal life with God in heaven. And this Christmas, 2022, his name is still wonderful. But his name is also Counselor. Say Counselor. There's true wisdom in that name. I don't know if you've ever been to a counselor or ever needed a counselor, but there's wisdom there. In fact, he, he shares in God's wisdom, Jesus does, and as a result, he doesn't need counsel from others like God himself. This Lord, was, he was born in a manger, and we know that he can make great decisions for himself and actually carry them out. The world is often an overwhelming place. As a result, stress and confusion cause us not always to know which way to go. But Jesus, the counselor, he can direct us through the fog. He counsels us, doesn't he? And as we search for meaning and purpose in our lives, the great guiding counselor points the way to the almighty heavenly father. See, Jesus is always available to us. He always gives us his undivided attention. If you've ever felt ignored, you'll never feel ignored by Jesus. He comforts us. He guides us in the right way and into our darkness, in the darkness of the world around us. A light shines through it all. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. But also in his name, there's greatness. How many of you know the, the name of Jesus is great? Hallelujah. And so he is also a mighty God. Would you say mighty God with me? Listen, Jesus Christ himself, he is God. It's not that he will become God. It's not that he was God. He is God right now. Always was God. Always will be God. This child born king has been given all power in heaven and on earth. And no force, however great, can conquer his kingdom because it's the kingdom that he created in the first place. He is, after all, our mighty God. Did you know that the molecules of one drop of water, if they became grains of sand, could build a highway a half mile wide and one foot thick from the state of New York to San Francisco? 
From the smallest atoms to the highest mountains, great is the work of our Lord. He is mighty. Nothing is too hard for him. And through these works and through his divine might, Jesus calls us to serve. Will we listen to the voice of our mighty God? Will we listen to the voice of guidance from the everlasting Father? Say everlasting Father. Certainly it's true that Jesus is the Son of God, but it's also true that as Isaiah says, He's our everlasting Father. And like our earthly fathers, Jesus is also a life giver. I don't know how many of you know this, but without Jesus in your heart, you're like the, you're like the living dead. You're like the living dead, and some of you, you know what I'm talking about. That when Jesus came into your life and into your heart, all of a sudden, something happened. Something took place in your heart of hearts, and it's all because Jesus came in. And again, it's because Jesus is the life giver. So not only was he present with God at our creation, but as the very word of God, we know that he was spoken, and we came into existence. He is also the one who has made a way for us as a father. And who literally brings us into eternal life with God. Plus as a good father, Jesus, our savior, he provides for us. How many of you know him as a great provider? Anybody know him as a great provider this morning? And so Christ is not only able to meet the needs of this world. He's willing to meet us personally. And he desires to walk in relationship with us. Did you know that that's unique to Christianity? I think I said it last week. That it's not that we have to find a way to get to God. It's not that we have to coerce him. It's not that we have to figure out. And, and some of us in religion, we've tried in the past and we failed. But when we let Jesus do what Jesus came to do, which is to reach us, which is to save us, which is to deliver us, something happens. We begin to fully experience the, the one who provides, the one who meets with us. And so we know him this morning as one who provides wisdom. He's one who provides guidance. He provides comfort and strength. He provides forgiveness. Thank God. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His love. He also provides exactly what we need for eternal life. Listen, our Lord Jesus does this because He cares for us. Because He's an everlasting Father. See, God in Christ Jesus cares enough about us to get involved in, in leading and directing our lives as we surrender to Him. And listen, that's, I, I, don't, don't skip over that, that phrase that I just said, as we surrender to him. Because he won't force you to walk with him. He won't force you to live for him. He won't force you to, to, to fully surrender and experience all of his blessings. So as you surrender, he will lead. As you surrender, he will direct and guide. Again, he's our everlasting father. But you know what? He, he can also be our prince of peace. Say prince of peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom actually means wholeness. And in this messed up, broken world that we live in, this name has great significance. I don't know if you know this, but our world needs the Prince of Peace. See, the coming Messiah, he will restore wholeness. He will restore peace among the nations. Indeed, this is the peace that transcends or supersedes all understanding. It blows our mind. We don't quite understand it. Every step of the way in times when there is turmoil, in times when things come upon you that you don't understand, in times when you should be a complete wreck, the Prince of Peace, he shows up on the scene and he brings peace into that situation. Let him, let, let him, let him on your boat. 
Let him in your situation. He can bring peace. Worship team, come. Listen. There's a conflict in the Ukraine. There's war in Ethiopia, in Yemen. There's looming, uh, looming humanitarian ca catastrophe in Afghanistan right now. There are global standoffs over nuclear developments all over the world. And yet Jesus shows us how to love our enemies. He's the Prince of Peace, amen? On that amazing day when Jesus rules this earth that he created again, peace will reign supreme. See, the Messiah is the one who will restore wholeness among the races and society, and so no discrimination anymore. It will be abolished. Jesus cares about justice and righteousness throughout his kingdom for all of his people, and he cares for your peace today. He's the Prince of Peace. Jesus came so that we might have rest from our burdens. He came so that we, though broken vessels, might be whole again. He is the Prince of Peace. All of these names say everything about who Jesus is and all that he still does today. And so Isaiah ends this prophecy of the coming king by, by summing up what the names have promised like, the, like with the wisdom and power of an expected king. His new kingdom will remain unshaken. There will be no resistance which will disrupt its peace. And justice and righteousness will rule forever. And ever, and ever, in fact, darkness will be no more. And so the worst of times are over. That's good news. The worst of times are over. The best is yet to come, church. See, the light has dawned. Have you seen the light? Like verse 2 said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And as we recall on this Christmas Eve, that same light came with the birth of a baby named Jesus who was born of a virgin named Mary in a lowly, in a lowly manger over 2,000 years ago. And he is the reason why we even still celebrate Christmas today. So what's in a name? In a name, there's wonder. There's comfort. There's greatness. There's guidance. There's wholeness. There's Lord. There's Savior. All of that is found in a person whose birth we celebrate today. Come to the light of the manger this Christmas. Believe him more than ever before. Cast your troubles on him and let him take away your grief. Yes, go to him with all of your dilemmas. Let him deliver you from your enemies so that when we rise from the manger, let us go into all the world this Christmas and every day declaring his great names. He's Jesus Christ, amen? amen? He is the Son of God. He is wonderful. He is Counselor. He is Mighty God. He is Everlasting Father. He is Prince of Peace. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your many names. This is just scratching the surface. But as we get ready, ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus tomorrow, I pray, God, that our hearts might be focused in, God, that we might be dialed in to what you have done and what you want to do in our lives. 
And, and Lord, Christmas, yes, it's that one day a year, but really you want us to, to recognize you every day of, year, of the year. You want us to know that, that, Lord, you are for us and you are with us and you want to change the world through us. And so, Lord, touch every life, touch every family, touch every child, every adult. In Jesus' name, we give you praise, honor, and glory. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah.